You're listening to Creative Confidential with Brian Tuck. Brian is an attorney who represents startups, nonprofits, arts organizations, and people who work in the creative industries. As an arts entrepreneur, Brian is the founder and CEO of Performing Arts Live, a Pennsylvania nonprofit corporation dedicated to creating and supporting live performance opportunities for jazz and electronic artists. Its flagship program is the Allentown Jazz Fest. Brian is a TEDx speaker, a Grammy voter, and jazz musician. Creative Confidential begins now. The Lafayette Bar in Easton is, in a word, unique. It's a smoky jazz club in an old industrial town on the Delaware River. As one steps inside the Lafayette, you see people from all walks of life standing elbow to elbow, listening to jazz players from New York or from the Valley. In the middle of it all, you find a man who goes by one name, Tunzi. Lafayette Bar in Easton is a jazz club that has gained a reputation over uh, a long period of time for running against the grain and being a very kind of original uh, place. It's definitely what I would call uh, an institution in the valley, and I'm very lucky to be joined by the owner of the Lafayette Bar, Mr. Tunzai Jabor. Thank you. Having um, so many places to choose from for people to spend their time, whether they're going out to see live music or, um, you know, take take their significant other out for for the evening, um, you know, there's a, the the Lafayette represents something very very uh, unique, I think, and um, it's always been I've had the luck to play there maybe a couple of times, two or three times, and it's always been a place where uh, you have rightly, you know, earned a reputation as being very artist friendly. You know, you actually, some places you go, which we won't name any names, but, uh, you know, the, the, the musicians are kind of treated as an accessory. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you guys go in the corner and, and don't, you know, don't play too loud because I don't want my, you know, guests to have to lean in and, and talk to one another. But, but the Lafayette's definitely a performance venue first i think mm-hmm. i was wondering you know how long t- tell us a little bit about your involvement in the lafayette i know it, it's been in your family for quite a long time right you know when we started my brother started jazz in the uh 70s and it didn't really last then everyone wanted to be a disco duck so like 2006 it was 2006 uh you know i was just tired of listening to going to places listening to bad music and I thought like let me just start bringing let me just try bringing jazz back and I have my own view of what jazz is I I always tell my musicians I like straight ahead jazz you know there's other there's other types of jazz but I grew up on straight ahead jazz so I you know I, I like that style of music more you know, it's more individual, and I don't really go for the big bands that much because I I want I I try to go for a quartet quintet setting tops because then you could see each musician shines, and you know I I don't always like to bring the same players from the same bands. You know, I ask them if you want to bring someone else, that's fine. Um, 
because in jazz, other than uh, other genres, if you switch one keyboard player out for another, you're, you gotta have you you have a completely different molecule, and it adds something to the band, adds a different element to the band, and you know I I like that more so than other genres, and you know the the music. It's all about the quality of sound. Where other genres like rock, it's how loud can you go? You know, I didn't want to go loud. I didn't want to have like heavy bass and you know shake people out into the street. I wanted to have a good quality sound, and because I like jazz so much, the musicians are my VIPs at at the shows. You know, I'm I'm surrounding them. I'm sitting with them. I'm talking with them. So I I don't I don't call this customer my VIP. The musicians are my VIPs at the shows. They're the most important people. Now, where, where do you you had mentioned you you were more into traditional jazz when you were growing up? Where where did you grow up? I grew up in Easton, but I uh, uh, there was a man next door to us who. Um, had like a bunch of jazz records and he asked us to come in and he played jazz for us all the time. So I, I listened to jazz at a very early age. So I got used to it at a very early age. What, uh, what kind of recordings, if you can remember? He had uh, Ornette Coleman. He had uh, Eric Dolphy. He had Lester Young records. He had a lot of records. He had like, it was from one end of the wall to the other end filled with records stood up and he played jazz records for us all the time now did you ever play an instrument yourself or were you uh, ever no. musically inclined no I, I didn't play an instrument I just listened to a lot of music I grew up on a lot of uh, jazz records and I remember when we were in high school kids thought I was weird because they said he'd listen to music that didn't have any words <laughs> well in instrumental music these days it's um, I, if you kind of rewind before um, before EDM and, and DJing became you know a thing you know in the last sort of resurgence of that uh, instrumental music was hard to come by you never heard it on the radio mm -hmm. hardly ever and certainly not in the pop or rock or country um, genres, but uh, one of the you know one of the unwritten uh, things about jazz that I like is you really can play it for all ages. There's you know unless you're um, you know you have a singer in front of a big band or something like that. But ninety nine times out of a hundred, uh, there's no lyrical content at all. So you can have kids, you can have uh, really people from all different kinds of uh, ages and, and extractions that can all kind of uh, huddle around the same around the same thing you know it, it it fits in to whatever you're doing like you know you could play it for kids I know there are some jazz musicians my friends that play in elementary schools and they play like nursery rhymes in a jazz setting and you know it, it just it, it's very versatile, you know, as opposed to like, you know, other genres that, you know, don't 
fit into every situation you have. And in in my place, I I don't restrict I don't restrict the musicians. I don't tell them, you know, there's some places where they they told me that musicians told me, well, uh, they told us do you have to play Christmas music or this or that, and he's why don't you hire a high school band to do that? Why are you hiring jazz musicians? Jazz musicians, they're the most versatile players because they're, they, they mastered improvisation, you know, and, and, you know, when you, when you master that, you could play anywhere, anytime, any, any how they want you to do, any how you want them to hear you do it. Now, did you, was it always your plan to be a club owner? I mean, how did, how did you get to where you are today? I've always been curious about, about uh, that part of your story. I lost touch with some of the jazz musicians that played there in the 70s. My brothers had it, and, you know, I just started playing. The first time I we did a gig was, happened to be April the 1st, so everyone thought it was a joke. That gig was late. It was only like 60 people, but the second gig couldn't fall down in a place. It was packed. And this was 2006? Yeah. And... um they musicians started calling me and then you know st- sending me CDs and you know I I turned down a lot of them because it wasn't really straight ahead jazz and you know I, some people like smooth jazz some people like you know big band some people like Latin jazz but you know I just wanted to be a place for straight ahead jazz so you know um, they say. Um, good news travels fast and it did travel fast you know musicians started calling me and coming around we have some we have some pretty big names that come down on a regular basis now with um starting in in 06 now by that point what had been happening in the in the at the lafayette prior to you know this kind of experiment of, of presenting jazz uh, before that, we were just, you know, I was just playing music. I'd play jazz a lot. I'd play soul a lot, you know. Uh, but, and, was this, and, but was this like live musicians or was this through a DJ? Or no, a it was just through the, the stereo, my stereo system. Right. And so how long have you been running the club? I've been running it since the uh, mid-90s. And we started jazz in 2006. Uh, the reason why I started jazz was because the demographic of the area changed. There was, an, there was more artists that moved in the area. Before that, it wasn't conducive to a, a jazz club uh, opening in Easton. So there was an artist uh, who just passed away, Carl Sterner, who brought a lot of artists from New York to uh, Easton and he just changed the face of the town and it happened to be an easy road for me to travel down just brings uh, jazz back well and, and East I mean for those who don't know um, you can't be more than an hour from the Holland Tunnel I don't think no right it's it's I mean you're on the east side of the valley so right. you're you're about a half hour closer than we are 
was sort of equidistant to like New York and Philly, I would say. So, you know, those two big cities. So, so back to 2006, um, you, you do this April 1st experiment. It goes well. And from that point forward, was, was the attendance consistently, uh, was it consistently well attended going forward that right out of the gate or how did, how did it evolve? Well, you know, um, in business, uh, not every day is good. But for me, you know, when I'm when you're doing something you like, you don't really look at the bottom line. You know, you're doing something you like, and it's happening. Not every show. If I if I tell you every show was successful, it wasn't. But I was doing something I liked, and overall, it's been a success. It's been like. Uh, really, you know, bringing people from like closer to New York, closer to Philly, who usually go to New York for their shows or usually go to Philly for their shows, they're coming up to my place for the shows. So they they know that the quality of jazz they're going to hear is is good. And on and so give us some um, when you say you know some notable artists that have played at the Lafayette. I don't want to give the whole resume, but can you? You know, give us a couple of highlights of, of your... Uh, Dave Lehman played. Mm-hmm. Billy Hart played. Uh, Jeff Watts, uh, who just moved to Easton a couple years ago, plays and stops down to visit. And, you know, there there is a lot of talent in the area. There's, you know, from... Uh, they teach in some of the local colleges. There's a lot of good, talented jazz musicians in the area, and some of the, most of my clientele, some of them come from Harlem. Uh, musicians move to Harlem. That's what it, they're based out of. Uh, some are in Stroudsburg, um, you know. Well, and this month I could announce it. Now. Giacomo Gates will be coming in April for for our gig. That's terrific. That's going to be April what? 16th. April 16th. Okay. Well, if, um, you know, the one thing about the Lafayette, which if you haven't been there, um, it jumps out at you within two or three minutes of, of, you know, coming in the door is, you know, there really are people from all walks of life there. It's, it. there are, um, there may be, you know, blue collar people. There may be um, academic types that are, you know, on faculty someplace. There are white collar, you know, people that that go there, and it's every age group uh, over twenty one. Of course, we don't let kids in, but um, you know, there's there's people from every age group and and I think demographic you can imagine. And every time I've been in there, it has been like that. You know, there's there's college kids, there's older people. Um, maybe just kind of comment on that a little. Has it always been that way, or that—that's by design. I did that. Uh, I've gone to places where everybody looks the same, and I figured, you know, I don't want a a place that looks like the Pleasantville movie. You know, I I want a place that where everyone is different, and you know, I I'm. I'm good to everybody, you know. I, I don't care if they're 
poor, rich. I treat everyone the same way. So, and, and that shows, I mean, if you, if you go to a restaurant and you're treated well, you're going to come back. Mm-hmm. If you eat well, you're going to come back. If you're treated well, you're going to come back. So, you know, I, I treat everyone well when they come in. Um, I grew up, my mom and father raised me, whereas they said, in your home or your business, they're granting you the biggest respect by visiting you. Make them feel happy for coming to visit you, whether it's for business or for your home. That's what I try to do. I try to greet people while I'm there. You know, I, I, I like jazz a lot, so sometimes I don't get to greet everybody. You know, I ask people if they like the show. If they didn't, I would go uh, uh, physically abuse the musicians, and they, <laughs> they like that. So, what's uh, talk? I know that you're from from knowing you a little bit as I do. Um, I know your training was not in the restaurant business. No. What, what did no. you What did you do when you were an undergrad? I, I'm a uh, cognitive psychologist. So when I when I tell people that they they say, "Well, you're in the right business," but <laughs> that but. Most people think I'm a clinician. I'm not a clinician. Cognitive psychologists uh, study how people think, and they study body language, and they help out with like uh, they do jury selection a lot. Mm-hmm. So yep. I, I didn't want to work in that field for reasons I don't want to get into right now. But you know, it, it it certainly helps when you're in the service industry to have that background. And to see things, you know, sometimes you see things uh, in body language that other people don't see, and you don't have to get to the bad part. You know, you could like nip it in the bud. Oh, in terms of, of clients being in the in the yes. bar and, and mm-hmm. seeing trouble before it uh, yes <laughs> before it happens. But we don't like trouble. We don't want any no. of that. Um, so. But that that was, you know, where we wanted to go. And, you know, we've talked a little bit before about, you know, the guests on this show, a lot of them have a fork in the road in their professional life, you know, some, you know, in their earlier years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you had a very, um, you know, I don't want to say traditional, but, you know, you were in a, in, in, you know, with a cognitive psychology degree. You had a path before you, you could have pursued if you wanted to, but you chose what? What happened? I mean, where did you go from there when you decided to not practice? Um, I, I came and worked in the family business and, you know, after a while, it just, you know, I, I, I wasn't really happy with it. And then after, you know, I, after a while, I thought like, you know, maybe we should start up jazz again. And, you know, in the 90s, it wasn't very conducive to start it. But later on, when I seen that more more and more people are starting to come to Easton and more artists and more um, art-based people came, I thought, well, this would work good. It would complement the art scene in Easton. And the art scene is taking off. It's really big. And along with the art scene, they have uh, jazz shows at most of the uh, gatherings now. There's 
jazz shows that play all over the area, you know, in, in, in the square and down at the amphitheater, they're playing everywhere. Right, the, squ- uh, the s- square in the middle of Easton. Yeah, the Easton and, Center Square. Right. Well, and somebody has to be, you know, sort of one thing I always tell my clients or whether it's somebody I'm talking to about career uh, stuff, you know, no one wants to be the first one into the pool. Mm-hmm. You know, you, if you no matter what field you're in or if it's a, a new business, um, you know, you'll have a lot of adopters come on after someone takes that first step. And I think, you know, in this case, certainly in Easton, you know, that was you. Was there, I mean, at the time in 06, uh, this, you know, the grunge period is over, right? Yeah. Grunge rock had, had burned out by then, I think. Um, was anyone else presenting this this style of music in the, in the region on a uh, regular basis? I'm sure there were some college bands that were playing. The first band that played for me was a college band. And, you know, I, I because I loved the music so much and there was going to be a jazz band there, and I got to have front row seats, I, I figured, well, hey, this can't be that bad, you know. So I wasn't really looking at the bottom line. I was looking to have a show there, jazz show, and I knew that it would start to take off, but it, it took off very quickly, and uh, uh, it's, it's moving very well now. Like, every place has jazz, which is good. You know, it's good for the musicians. It's good for the demographic of a, of a city, you know, to have that type of music. Well, when you say, and when you say you knew it was going to take off, I mean, what, well, I know this may be hard to articulate, but what was it? What was it just a hunch? Was it something you, you had seen in, in another city that made you think it would work in Easton or what was the <coughs> inspiration? The inspiration was I was at the square and I'm, there was a, um, a farm market. We have a farm market in Easton like once a week. And I'm looking at the types of people that are walking around and they're hipster types and there's artist types. And I figured jazz would take off with these people. And it did. It just started coming. And I didn't advertise as much uh, because I figured, you know, the best advertisement is uh, word of mouth. So I, I told people that if you don't like the show, tell me what's wrong with it. And if you do like the show, go out and tell two other people. And they did. And that's what that's what brings them from, you know, North Jersey to the show and down towards Philly for the show. And some people, uh, the owners of the Jazz Corner in... Um, um, South Carolina came up to one of my shows. That's another club. Right. Uh, is that Myrtle Beach or is that... Hilton Head. Hilton Head, okay. Right. Now, is it all... It can't all be word of mouth, though. I mean, do you... you might, Do you do the traditional, you know, kinds of advertising and things like that that, that uh, normal businesses do or, or do Other not? than the fact that my nephews uh, put the shows up on Facebook, but we don't really go into like magazines or anything uh but just recently um a woman one of the woman that comes to the shows that lives in philly sent me a 
a magazine article that we made the 50 best jazz clubs in, in America. You know, I didn't never heard the magazine, but we we were pleased to be on that list. Well, definitely. I mean, and, and that's on the same list that Birdland is on and, oh, yeah. and you know, the Village Vanguard and, and all these places that uh, uh, tend to be in, you know, larger cities. Mm-hmm. Um, with everything you've described, it's so uh, kind of counterintuitive. Most people, when they launch any business initiative, you know, they're advertising, they're buying sponsorships for you know, certain causes and they're really pounding people in print and radio and TV here. You, you haven't done any of that or, or have you, I, but it doesn't sound to me like you have. No, actually the good part is the local newspaper was across the street. It moved now, but they sold their building, but it was across the street and every Saturday they would see like tons of people coming. So they came in and, they, they wanted to know what was happening and they came in and they did a an article or two about about it and then it just caught on from that there, there. but it was already catching on it was already successful we are uh we're called the worst kept secret in easton <laughs> that's that's a good we should start making the t-shirts now that's a good yeah. uh, it's not a bad slogan yeah um, so, so what's next for you? I mean, what do you, how does the Lafayette, you know, three years down the road, what does it look like? I, I think, uh, we'll do more shows a month and, uh, it, it's always interesting to me to bring musicians back because in jazz, when you bring the musician back, he's not, it's, he's not the same person. You know, they always have something new to say through their music. And I'm always interested to hear what they say. You know, when when they, some musicians wait like six months, seven months, and they call me and say, Dunsai, put me in the mix for the next gig. And I I think in the back of their mind, they have something they want to say. And, you know, musicians... When you see them from one day to another, they have different things. They, they they play differently. Their improvisation is different. And they just, you know, a jazz musician is different than the rest because a jazz musician is always honing his craft. He's always changing. He's always evolving. And I remember... Three years ago, Billy Hart was sitting there, and there was a young drummer uh, who, a local drummer, asked him, he said, can I ask you a question? And he said, yeah. He said, when did you realize you knew everything? Wait a minute. I said, I have to interrupt. I'm going to answer that question too, but I'm going to let Billy answer it first. Billy said, I'm still learning, and Billy's 70. And I said, a jazz musician is always learning until he takes his last breath, always changing. You know, it's not like other genres of music where it's verbatim, you know, and that's it. But jazz is, it's changing. They're always doing it, doing something different. And, you know, at the end of some shows, I, 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 I think, I thought it was killer. 
I thought it was great. And I'm going up there and I'm hugging people. That was a great show. And they're, they're telling me, no, I could do it better. They're not happy with what they did today. They want to do something different. They want to always improve on it. That's what I like. That's that's what makes it interesting. Like, I know that if you pick up an album or a record from the 60s and you play it, it still sounds good. It's not like, you know, like picking up a rock and roll record. You know, when you pick up a record from the 60s or 50s, it's, it still sounds as fresh as when you pop the cellophane on it. And you hear something different every time you hear it. I remember someone said that John Coltrane played my favorite things maybe a hundred times in his shows. Every time was different because every musician is different from one day to another. You know, it's a new show. It could be the same band today, but it's a different band tomorrow. Every guy is changing. That's why I like it. Well, that's uh, probably the best defense of uh, the musical style I've, I've heard in a long time. Uh, Sunsai, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, I hope we can come back and, and do another one of these. Thank uh, you. It was my so- pleasure. Thanks for listening to Creative Confidential with Brian Tuck. To have Brian consult for your arts organization, for public speaking engagements, or if you have legal matters you want to discuss, contact him at tucklaw.com. That's T-U-K-Law.com. For future episodes, please subscribe to Creative Confidential on iTunes or visit us at creativeconfidential.net. This has been a Steve Mittman social media creation. Creation. Steve Mittman social media.com.